everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the show. So glad that you're here and tuning in. Hope you're as excited about this episode as I am. It's a great conversation with uh, my friend, Shad Berry. He is an entrepreneur, a uh, executive director of a few nonprofits in his life, a high-level VP for sales in his family's business growing up. He's a husband, father, fly fisherman, all around a great dude and a lifelong learner. And so I wanted to take some time, interview him, talk to him about uh, what he's been up to during this whole Corona madness, talk about anything from fitness routines to uh, socially connecting in a socially distancing world and his advice for people transitioning out of high school into college, out of college, in high school, or maybe you've lost your job and we just talk about what he's up to, what he's doing, and so much more in between. Hope you enjoyed this episode and here we go. Dude, it is so good to see you, man. So good to see you as well. You're still rocking the beard, growing the hair out. Everything, lots of hair, lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of Corona hair. I love it, man. Are you guys, uh, you guys still in like a lockdown or you guys opened up there? No, so our offices for the cardio offices are open um, for uh, therapists and uh, coaches and clients. Um, but you know, some clients are still choosing to go remote, and some counselors are still uh, coming to the office to you know do teletherapy. So just kind of a combination okay. with whatever people are comfortable with. Yeah, is uh, I guess the city's kind of in like a phase one. Yes, or um, I think we're I think we're in phase two technically. Oh, nice. Okay. So, yeah. So that's being um, that's being actively monitored based on uh, cases and such. Yeah, yeah. We're looking at I think phase two here in DC. I think it the ban or the the state home order technically lifts tomorrow, but I don't think phase one will start till next week or June first. So I don't know that for sure. I'm not keeping up on it. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Just kind of doing my thing. Yeah, exactly. It's after it comes to a point where you can't keep up with all of it and you just kind of have to, uh, um, you know, take it and stride and get back to business and do your work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, you decided to jump on with me today. Um, I kind of wouldn't have missed it for the world. Uh, missed missed uh, interviewing folks and, and learning and growing from people. So um one of my friends, Nick, and my buddy Damon, we did one a uh, weekend or so ago uh, about our trip to Vietnam. And then oh, wow. I was that like, was awesome. I saw the email about you transitioning out of downline into something new. And I was like, first, I, I was honestly pretty excited because uh, a little selfishly because I've always admired your career and like decisions you've made and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is an opportunity that not to call you old, but you're like, you know, 10 years ago or so. <laughs> I am I am old. You're not old, dude. Um, to see you transition careers and how you kind of like made those decisions. So I was like, let's get Chad back on the show. But um, I'm curious uh, how the Corona stuff's been going for you. The COVID, like shut down, the stay at home, like, uh, for, you know, for a lot of people and people I've talked to, it's just kind of been, you know, creatively up and down, good days, bad days. What's What's kind of your story with it? Um, personally speaking. Yeah, sure. Like for me, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. your, you know, your interaction, your. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, uh, I would say initially 
I was really nervous about how it was going to impact um, my my businesses. You know, Cardia specifically being a counseling and coaching uh, uh, practice. Um, really concerned that you know, especially with the social distancing and the um, uh, quarantine, that people weren't going to be um, as you know uh, interested in going doing work online um, and doing you know teletherapy. Um, and so there's concern about that. Um, personally, like I really felt like it was really good, very beneficial, like emotionally and spiritually and relationally, because it really forced me to stop. Um, I can be way too overscheduled and way too overactive and overly productive and try to be overly productive. And so I really felt like it created a space for people, for me to slow down and be with family and be, you know, just be together. And so there was like this, it was kind of like this, like a big inhale of, you know, uh, fresh air. Um, and then all the, the, you know, the SBA trying to uh, like all the paycheck protection program and the EIDL and understanding all those relief packages. Then we kind of got into full, you know, I feel like for a month it was trying to figure out that stuff and how it impacted our, the organizations that I was a, a part of. And so uh, anyway, so I think all in all, I've been, I've been grateful for it. Um, grateful for the space, grateful for the time with family, um, have enjoyed being at home more, being around the kids more. Um, and also I think, missing structure, you know, missing the framework, uh, to, you know, have different spaces to do work. So that's been the challenge of now figuring out what do I want this, what do I want it to look like this new schedule to look like going forward. Um, so, yeah, but you mentioned, uh, gratitude for like the extra time and stuff. Was that, did it take you a minute to like appreciate it from the beginning or were you kind of like, Oh, this is great. Like, I now have this extra time to be with my family and kind of make some decisions that I wouldn't be otherwise able to, to schedule in. Yeah. I think right away I felt, I think the whole family, our whole family kind of felt like, Oh man, this like, we, we get to slow down and it'd be okay. Yeah. Um, and so I think there was like this uh, understanding or appreciation pretty early on. And we had started like, this is maybe off. <laughs> you can, you can direct me if this gets into the territory you not want to cover, but like, we had started trying to practice a Sabbath, like just a day of rest as a normal. Yeah. Um, so we would take one day a week and we were really starting to just without screens as a family. So like we were, and I know that sounds um, surprisingly, our family, the kids were a little bit more receptive to it at this stage. You know, they're 18, 16, 14 and 12. So what I think we saw in them is like they were even feeling and we're a pretty active family. You know, they, they're involved in sports. They're involved in extracurricular activities. You know, we're active parents. We're, you know, we're kind of on the go. Um, we, we're social. You know, we love people. We love being with people. Um, and so I think what they realized was, man, they, they, they were feeling the benefit of having just a day of stillness, a day of rest. It didn't mean you didn't lift a finger or do anything. It just was like it was a different type of work. What do you guys do? Well, we, we will, we'll read books. We'll watch movies. We'll take walks. Um, we'll make food. Um, we'll do like, it's just a time. do what you just wouldn't schedule anything. Yeah. You just wouldn't, it wouldn't, we would, we wouldn't schedule anything. Like, like I would just set aside anything that was related to normal everyday work. 
Um, you know, so anything email or anything, you know, work related. So, so it would just be, um, creative things to do with them and to do together, either all of them or one of them. And we'd sleep, we'd take naps. I mean, just, it's just kind of like, just go with the flow and have a day that was not programmed. So I say all that to say when the quarantine and stuff came about, it was like, uh, and a little bit of an extended type of sabbath or time that word just simply means to rest or to cease um so yeah there was like i I think there's been some there's really been some sweet fruit from it yeah that's good man it's really good to hear i I know it's it's been up and down for sure for you know a lot of people Mm -hmm. has been a huge topic um rightfully so and suicide rates are up and you know, it's crazy. I mean, the whole world changed. I remember the weekend I was fly fishing in Wyoming <laughs> and with my brother uh, and his doctor uh, friends. And we all got in the car on the way home to kind of disperse to different parts of the country. And we were like, man, this is weird because all the stores are shut down. Like, we don't know, you know, what what's happening, really. Um, and we've kind of been out in the middle of nowhere. And get back and like schedules change businesses are closing i remember my gym was um uh i think that weekend like all right we're limiting classes and then like very next day or that afternoon they said oh we're shutting down completely yeah and it, so it's just like a it'll be like it'll be just like something i always remember you know um can yeah. with that weekend for forever and then just you know, the ups and downs have been really strange with extra time. I'm not used like used to extra time. I'm used to go, go, go kind of like, you. Right. like now I have, you know, an afternoon to decide what to do. All right. <laughs> and the, the normal things that, you know, you would probably do, you can't go do. And so that's kind of what's different. It seems like when with the extra time, you know, and working from home, it seems like a lot of people really want that or appreciate it, but normally you can go out and like do things or go to a store or go shop and not be a weird, weird environment. So, right. Um, and everywhere in the country is different. It sounds like DC yeah. kind of a little bit slower, uh, getting, getting things open. Are you like for everything opening or like, what's, I'm curious what you think about like everything, what's going to be like, you know, yeah. people getting back. I to mean, you. I really think I don't, I don't have strong opinions on it. Um, I think, I do think it's going to be very much regionally, very much almost almost county to county, yeah. city to city, uh, state to state, because you know there's just so there there are so many different there are different hot spots. So I do I do think they're going to have to the leadership is going to have to make decisions based on their communities, and hopefully there's enough collaboration and cooperation. So I think for for Memphis where it's not widespread and there's some pockets. Um, you know, taking all that data into consideration, which I, I have not studied. I know that there's, you know, but but I do know that there's so being able to take that into considera- consideration and then monitor it. Yeah. Um, and then just trying to be respond, just trying to be more responsible, um, especially until we have some kind of uh, treatment or vaccine. Um, so I'm all I'm all in favor of that, of of steadily and strategically and, you know, uh, responsibly reopening where where we can and so i think from what i'm observing in my little you know small corner of the universe um the businesses are being everybody's being responsible i went to dinner a couple of times which is a weird experience like going to dinner for the first time and i got like dude i haven't done that (laughs) yeah oh man it was so the tables are spread apart there's like 
there's like hand sanitizing stations all throughout the restaurant. Wow. The waiter and waitresses have gloves. So you're like, am I here for a doctor's appointment or am I getting a, a steak? <laughs> I'm not really <laughs> sure. <laughs> so like, like if you if you tell me to call for anything, I'm we're gonna be concerned. Did they have you do a like, check before you ate or before you went in? No, they, they did not. Um, in the two, yeah, in the two places where I ate, that did not happen. But we were spread apart. You know, there was it was funny. Because um, when we were eating, uh, there was uh, two other couples that came in that we knew and they came and said hi and were standing by our table. And uh, they quickly came and management quickly came and broke that up. Like, hey, can you all go to your seats? And like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Like, yeah. It's just so, so you know. That's going to be so, tough in Memphis, particularly because everyone's, you know, a, a degree apart. And it's so easy to, particularly for you, probably to like spend <laughs> most of your life, like not see somebody you don't, you know, that you know. When you go out, well, and then you're, and then when you see people and you're out, you're like, "Hey, what, what's your, what, what greeting are you comfortable with? Yeah, can I hug you? Elbow or fist bump or maybe just a <laughs> wink up? or something?" So yeah, yeah um, it, it is. Uh, it's very interesting, and, and I think has changed is going to change a lot of things for a really long time. Yeah, I know there's a lot of businesses that need to open, um, but mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you know trying to do that, you know, socially responsible or as you know, protective as possible of other people and not getting it spread again. But um, I'm curious, you know, you're like, we both kind of share the fitness uh, love for, you know, fitness, CrossFit, you do Iron Tribe. I'm assuming you do still do Iron Tribe, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's that been like for you during this time? Like getting your, you know, your fitness on that when you were, when you were talking about you. Yeah. When you were talking about your gym, yeah. Um, I was gonna, I was in, inside, I was thinking that was the worst part for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. so they, I thought iron tribe, you know, they're based out of Birmingham and some, I think prim, primarily in the Southeast. Um, it's a, it's a high impact interval training model. Um, and normally, so, you know, they have classes and offer programming throughout the week. And so what they did, which I thought was really clever is they allowed you to, um, rent their equipment for free. Yeah. So I, maybe other gyms did this. And so I was able to similar style CrossFit gyms did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I was able to bring home like a kettlebell and a barbell. I had a barbell and I got some plates and then it was, it was a good time to like beef up my own home gym. So I got like a medicine ball and I hung up a body bag and I got, you know, a bunch of the resistance bands and stuff, but man, it was, it just, it was hard like that. That was not a good, that part I missed because doing those workouts in my garage and stuff was just not nearly the same as being with a group of people and having yeah. the coaches walking you through stuff. So it, I felt like it took me about, I feel like it took me about a month to find a rhythm. And then uh, fortunately uh, uh, two or three weeks ago, our gym opened back up in a real um, socially distant and sanitary way. Like they're limiting class sizes and everybody, you know, wiping down your own, your stuff and they've got it boxed off and squared off. But I was, I was so grateful to be able to. Did they do programming for you? During yeah. 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 So what they did, they had some home workouts and then they were doing Facebook live uh, videos that you could follow along. Okay. And actually they've kept some of that um, as part, you know, they, they're still offering some of that for people that aren't comfortable coming into the gym. Um, so they've done it. I've been really impressed with how well they adapted to that. Um, yeah. That was, that was positive. That's good. Yeah, I know that was uh, early on. It was, you know, a big switch, you know, worrying about whether or not you're going to stay fit. And you could probably come out of it two ways, you know, <laughs> really well, out of shape or uh, 
you know, with more motivation to get back in the gym and, and a little bit in shape? Do you feel like you hit your goals or, you know, maintained your, your strength and conditioning or do you? Hard to say. Now, here, here's what's interesting. So two things. Uh, one, um, I had a shoulder injury going into quarantine that I probably was not taking, not probably, I was not tending to or taking care of. I had some type of interior tear or some tendon. Um, I can't remember the name of the tendon that I've said since been diagnosed, but, um, so what it forced me to do was rest also. Um, and cause I was having, it was really hurting and I was trying to push through it, which you know, probably not the best idea. I really wasn't trying to be, I wasn't trying to be macho about it. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go backwards. I didn't want to take the time off. Yeah. So, which was, which was dumb. So what quarantine did is I, I quit doing pull-ups. I quit doing push-ups and quit doing bench press and I, it feels a thousand percent better. So, um, so that was probably a silver lining for me. And then, uh, I did do the Murph for the first time on yeah, Monday. I was ask you how without the vest, without the vest. That's all right. Um, it was really yeah, good. The first I, time I did it, I only did half without the vest and my, got my ass kicked. I am still sore all over. Like my, you my do what? You did it on Monday, Memorial yes. Day? Yes. So I did on Monday with our class and I was really, uh, I remember, you know, you and I worked with uh, John Sarver back in the day and I remember the first, I texted him and I, uh, cause I said, I remember the first time he told me about that workout. I was like, that's the dumbest, that's a great idea. And I love yeah. The, what it represents and that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard and so the volume of work yes yeah just how much volume like just the and the idea of you know running after doing all that just seemed <laughs> comprehensible but yeah like uh and then to add a vest so like my goal next year would be to um like maybe do a 10 pound vest or something um should, uh have you worn a vest before running never. or pull-ups never you should test it you probably surprise yourself the push it would be a surprise. It would be a shock. With the vest because you have about an inch of uh, of cushion in between uh, the ground, so you don't go down yeah. quite far. But I mean, it's that still matters. That matters over the course of two hundred push-ups. Two hundred push-ups. <laughs> so uh, Murph, for people who don't know, one mile run, uh, hundred pull-ups, two hundred push-ups, three hundred air squats, one mile run, and then water. Or beer <laughs> <laughs> and the the way that it's prescribed is to do it with a 20 pound weight vest on exactly yeah it was i did it this year by myself and that was hard um, that would be hard i so i had it i was really looking forward to it because it's it's been one of those workouts that i started crossfit in memphis at the box some friends the box memphis invited me to uh to come join the gym and uh one of my buddies, Milos, um, was a Marine, and I remember that workout. He read the the um, the letter George W. Bush wrote about Michael Murphy before the WAD. Mm. It was like this community event that took place, and, and I was photographing and filming a little bit at the event, but was going to do half of it afterwards because I just started CrossFit. And, and I just remember it being like, you know, I'd ran a marathon, done that kind of stuff before, but like accomplishing – you know, I could, probably couldn't even do five pull-ups in a row, but like partitioning things made it a whole lot easier. But it was just one of those workouts where it's more of a mental game than it was like a physical pain. Like your legs are shaking, your arms are hurting, your biceps are hurting because of the pull-ups. But it's like everything about it is just like keep going, you know, mm -hmm. don't give up, don't stop, pause for a second, sure, shake your legs, but like keep going. And that's what I love about the Hero Wads. And so I was really looking forward to it this year. Um, 
and I, you know, I say this year and I'm like, I'll probably do it again sooner than later mm -hmm. <laughs> just because I love it so much. Yeah. Those hero wads just because it's, it's for me, like I love being, love trying to get stronger, love trying to like look better. But for me, the CrossFit is, is also like, or that style of workout is about the mental game, mm -hmm. um, which has kind of been like the struggle with this whole, um, and I hate to you know keep talking about Corona or COVID, whatever, but like or the shutdown. But it's like any like major unexpected change kind of evokes the same kind of feeling. And so like because it was so prolonged, it was like you have to kind of adapt mentally. And these workouts just kind of prepare you for the unknown or the unknowable situations that you know get thrown at life. And right masses aren't usually used to something this drastic, just you know hitting everybody. Right. So I would say do it again, man. The gym that I, I went to. I, yeah, I would. That sounds like a good idea. I think I think that would be fun. The gym I went to, or go to uh, prescribed 400 sit-ups instead of the pull-ups. But I converted a, uh, a fence post, like frame, gate frame in my backyard to do pull-ups on. So I was like, I'm going to do the pull-ups because I'd rather do that. My coach, coach, I texted him and said, hey, this is, this is my, my time. He was just like, well, I guess you'll never know what or how bad it feels to have 400, uh, 400 sit-ups done in the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did ask for a, I did ask for a pull-up bar. Or what, but yeah. Um, That's creative, man. I like it. Super creative, for sure. Yeah, I think, um, I re so I read your, uh, your blog post about socially connecting or staying connected while socially distancing. Thought it was awesome. I don't know if you want to highlight like some of that kind of how like, um, you know, the work you're doing at Cardia and yeah, uh, and honestly, even just like you're, you know, we'll get into your transition from decisions, but you know, since we're on the COVID subject or socially distancing subject, like how, how have you, you know, stayed socially connected, relationally yeah, part of your life? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for reading that really long uh, blog post. Um, it didn't, it didn't start out. I didn't intend for it to be that, that massive, but it just kind of kept growing. Um, yeah, when, it, when all this hit, uh, here's what's, here's, what's interesting. Everything that we're experiencing, um, collectively and personally, um, at an emotional and relational level, um, is not altogether different than what we experience day in and day out. Um, and here's what I mean. Um, this, it is exposed. Like if there, if there were stress fractures there before this type of pressure or this type of stress just simply maybe makes them a clean break. Um, you know, so if, if I live with a underlying anxiety or some level of baseline anxiety before, or some level of disconnectedness or some level of loneliness before all of this hit, well, this just amplified it. Um, and so it, it, um, or if, if I was using other um, substances or work or materialism or anything or food, if I were using those things to cope before with those stress fractures or with those pain points, well, now in the face of a pandemic where things feel even more uncertain and even scarier, then I, I potentially leaned into those substances and those behaviors more. And so that, and then that, that creates this cycle, um, just what we would call the well-worn path. It's, it's not a new path for any of us. We've all walked it, um, where we, we engage in behaviors or activities that we know don't give us what we really want, but they provide some form of relief. 
and then we feel the resulting shame. Um, I've done it. I mean, like, um, it's just because you're aware of it doesn't mean you're immune to it. It just means, you know, how do I, how badly do I beat myself up for it? Or how do I re-engage and take responsibility for, for what's true and get the help that I need? Just like my shoulder, um, like I, I ignored it, uh, it got worse. And then I finally, uh, something intervened and then I finally asked for help. And now I'm, fe- I'm seeing a physical therapist and I'm actually, I'm actually, I have opportunity to heal and I have hope, like there's a hope that I'll heal and I might not have pain someplace where I've had pain for a really long time. So all that to say, um, our needs, like what you and I need as human beings hasn't changed. Um, we still need connection with each other. Like, you know, my relationship with you, um, is a connection I crave, even though we don't get to see each other often, but like when I connect with you, whether it's over an Instagram post or a direct message or a text message, or if I get to come to DC and see you like we did recently, like that's, I'm you and I are made for that. And so, um, so keeping the relational connection of the willingness and here's what it takes, um, is the willingness to reach out to another human being that matters to you and say, Hey, I miss you. And I don't know. I'm like, uh, like, like I've, I this may sound weird to people listening, but like, I know that you and I have told each other on multiple occasions. I, I think I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I've said, Hey, I miss you. Like yeah, I miss you. I have missed you. I miss you. I love you. I have no shame. I, yeah. So, so here's the thing. Like that's a, that is, that is an emotional and relational maturity. Cause most, most bros, most dudes are going to be like, you know, we're going to express our, um, you know, our missing our loneliness by saying, Hey, where you been, butthead? How come you never call me back? Like, you know, like, you know, yeah. kind of push on each other instead of just saying, dude, I miss you. I wish I could see you more often. So we're made for that connection. Uh, we're, we're made to, that's the fuel of human life. Um, that's a fuel of like living fully. And so, um, if we were, but it takes a lot of willingness and a lot of courage to be able to admit that. So, Part of uh, what we said for people during quarantine, well, I, I encouraged everybody to find one person to use the buddy system, find one person that you would talk to every day and simply talk about what it's like for you to be in this experience to just say, man, I'm sad today. I'm scared today. Um, I'm enjoying today. Like I really had a great meal with my family. I was surprised by this today. I celebrated this today. Um, and, and honestly, like I need that even outside of Corona, even outside of pandemic, um, because th- there was a loneliness pandemic before there was ever a, um, you know, Corona or COVID-19 pandemic. So th- those are some, I think the physical exercise, like the way your body's made um, and feel free to interrupt me, interrupt me. Cause I could just drone on about this all the time, but like the yeah, way your body's to say with, um, with the socially connected thing that you were just mentioning, I think, it'll be really interesting. You mentioned like the loneliness factor and, and how like, I, so I was, thought it was interesting that the kind of the trend we've seen has been, um, you know, people, you know, craving the outdoors and nature, the more that we're connected more online and less connected individually before we were disconnected socially. And now we crave like being more connected and we're using the online tool in order to like connect with people because we can't necessarily do it socially. And so I'm, I'm, really interested in my hope you know i i would think that after this it's probably gonna be a little weird getting back together but i think we're all gonna like 
maybe feel that a little bit differently or come out with some maybe different social connections that yeah. we have. It's kind of almost like a wake up call of like, for sure. Hey, uh, you know, and TikTok has really taken off. So like, maybe not, maybe we'll just like forget it all, you know? Like, I'm afraid of that. I'm really, I really hope we don't, but I, I think what it did is it made our worlds appropriately smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, I think all those tools have their places. Um, but it's, it's kind of like fool's gold, you know, it, it, it's like, it feels like relationship and connection, but it's really, it's hollow. Like, I don't, I don't get this, you know, where I, you can, you know, where we can be vulnerable and honest and interested and curious. And so I think it, it made our worlds more appropriately small so that I could be more present and show up with the people in my neighborhood, like literally walking around my neighborhood, I've met more neighbors and talked to my neighbors more than ever before. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, being able to make my world appropriately small and connect more deeply, um, versus going really wide and broad. Um, I think I do hope that that sticks around. I'm afraid that it won't because, because the addiction or the, the draw and the compulsion to, expand ourselves and extend ourselves and being afraid of missing out on something is so great that I think for some they'll stay, they'll keep it smaller, but and for others, it'll be really hard to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll change. I think the, everything, the way we live, work and play for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so talking about what you're up to, man, um, big transition out of downline. Um, you know, I was thinking back on the days I worked there and, and uh, I saw a post from Tim Reed the other day and it was just like, man, I miss playing doubles with you and Mel <laughs> on the yep. table. You know, uh, it was Those actually the days. my buddies here in D.C. That's the first guy, first guy I think I've ever collabed with via an Instagram post, um, col collaborated creatively video. He's a video producer. Um and the first person I really met here, uh, Paul King, actually went to college with Tim and like they know each other. And so um, it was really interesting that I met somebody that quickly and how small the world kind of became that fast. But it, it makes me reminisce on good times in the downline office for sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we had some fun. Were you at we did some we did some good work and had some fun. Yeah, for sure. There was there was some work. Definitely. It was, it was a good time for me. It kind of launched um, my photography interests and content producing interests while I was there. And so there's a there's a lot of a lot of roots with the relationships that I had there. Um, fly fishing meetings with you. You were, yeah. you were gonna have a meeting. Bring your fly fishing gear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that was that awesome. was awesome. For we sure. got some good fish that day too on on the mayflies. Yeah, we we went to the Little Red, right? I think. Well, one that I'm remembering, we were at the North Fork in uh, yeah. North Saint Arkansas with Chris Keir and headed yeah. over there between between yeah, locations uh, that day. Yeah, that was a fun day. Yeah, it's always I always love going fly fishing, but usually the people I go with are better at it than I am. Like <laughs> see the fish and like put the flies on, but like depth and like types of food. It's like, man, I got so much to learn. My brother and his friends are like that. You and Chris, 
or like that. Oh, I'm still learning. I feel the same way. Um, but I love, I, I love all it has to teach. Um, not only about fishing, but also about life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you were using, you were using some antique rod and reel or something that day. Yeah. So that thing actually is, uh, been, was stolen out of my, before I moved to Memphis, everything was stolen out of my, uh, my, uh, storage unit. I had everything packed up on like my bike, all my camping gear, like everything, dude. And, uh, yeah, so it's gone. That's horrible. I don't have any gear. All my Patagonia fly fishing gear is gone. Oh that my I gosh. Um, like love that stuff. Um, but yeah, that was a rod that my dad bought me like early nineties. I think I was like five or six, um, LL bean rod. Um, I'm so sad that you lost that. That's awful. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, I think there's another one floating around. My dad, my dad bought two, one for me, one for my brother. Um, pretty sure he still has it um, somewhere. So they're not all gone, but you know, that, this is a 20 year old rod almost. Yeah. No, uh, 16, 16 year old rod. But, um, sorry, dude. Yeah. I you know, know. so, uh, the, you know, I'll, I'll reinvest one day. There's just out here in DC. It's, I would just sit in my house. You know, I wouldn't be able to get out and go. It's two plus hours plus the fishing here. Like no fish in the mall there. The, no reflection <laughs> pool. There might yeah. be. They, Give they, that a shot. Uh, I went into the orbit shop here. They fish striper out of the Potomac because um, it's a tidewater. So you can actually fly fish out of the Potomac in different parts. Um, it's okay, probably that's a little, list. little different than what I enjoy, which is like the trout stream fishing, mm -hmm. uh, small rivers. Um, in the mountains, <laughs> preferably. Other than that, it's perfect. Other than that, you know, it's perfect. I haven't seen very many people do it actually, so I think it's seasonal as well. Right. But how long were you at Downline? Uh, ten years. So June eighth okay. of twenty eleven. So coming up on ten years. Uh, long a couple weeks. Anywhere besides maybe MCC. At, at MCC, I was there for about ten years as well. So from two thousand to two thousand eleven, and okay. then from two thousand eleven to two thousand um, twenty. Um, I know you've mentioned to me like, um, early on, cause I remember, you know, first meeting you, you being a, a, a business leader, uh, as well as a man of like character and somebody I really admired, I kind of shared what I was up to and kind of got your advice on some things. And you talked about like reinventing yourself like every five years or so, five, 10 years. Is this kind of one of those times that you've had to, well, or was this like a seamless time to go? Yeah, it feels like, so I, I don't feel like I've ever intentionally reinvented myself. It has seemed like there's been a rhythm of my development and growth that every five years, um, something, you know, something changes, um, something develops, something emerges, or I just get more courage to pursue what's already there is probably a better way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I, th I tell everybody, like I, I was coaching a guy, um, yesterday and I was like, Hey, you'll, it's okay to outgrow your job. Like you're going to out, like, I hope everybody that is listening, like I hope they outgrow their job or their vision gets bigger or changes or develops or matures. So part of, part of, I think, or, part of you realize that that happens. I think it, it happens for me. It has happened slowly and steadily to where the double, kind of the double negative, becomes true of I can't not not do that <laughs> like I, I can't not not pursue this thing 
Um, you know, cause it always, it, it may start as, cause I have tons of ideas all the time. Like, you know, you, you can probably test when we were like, I'm always dreaming of things. Um, and a lot of those things don't stick or don't go anywhere. Some of them do. And then as they, as they, as they grow and develop, it's like they, they gain more energy and they get more of my energy and they get more of my heart and they get more of my passion and interest. And so, like I, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a wood burning stove that, you know, you're like, okay, I'll put another log in it. I'll put another log in it. I'll put another log in that. If, if it burns out, that's okay. Like that, that doesn't have to be failure. It just may, maybe it ran its course. Everything doesn't have to become a, a, a huge bonfire. Like a campfire is great for the camp. And like, that was a fun campfire. And I'll, you know, maybe I'll never have that campfire again. So kind of letting things have their, uh, letting things have their opportunity um, to become what they're made, what they're made to be or capable of. So for me, it just feels like every five years has been, um, and, and even within the the organizations that I've been a part of, whether it doesn't mean it doesn't mean leaving them, it just maybe meant a promotion or a role change or a program or adding a program or adding something to it. Um, and in this case, you know this is kind of the second iteration for me of one of those five-year transition or inflection points. Um, so in 2014 is when Cardia Collective was founded um, while I was working at Downline. And that really was just a passion project. It was a bonfire, a little, a little campfire that my partner and I, Tim Holler had, had it felt like a need. And it, and it was like, it kind of, it's one of those matches that lit real easily and the kindling caught fire real easily. And you're like, well, let it burn. And, and then we started adding therapists, more therapists were joining this movement. And so fast forward now, um, six years later, and it's just the fires just kept growing um, with, with um, I wouldn't say minimal effort. I would just say it hasn't required, like, you know, you just throw a wood on a log on there every now and then. And it just keeps, it keeps providing warmth that keeps attracting more people to it. And then it gets a little brighter and more people. I've never used this illustration before, but I need to write this down. The whole the whole campfire thing. Uh, so, yeah. So that's all that's happened. And so now here we are, 2020. It's like, man, this thing needs more tending to. Um, you know, before you know, you don't want it to fall over <laughs> and, yeah. and crush people, um, but you want to keep it. We want to keep it um, providing warmth and providing light. And so that's really that's so really the big. You had, a, you had a, a pull somewhere else and a passion as well as a, this is a transitional time for me. The switch, the switch was, was not so much, I've got to rethink everything, but right. there was an opportunity for you to, to pour into something else. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, there was the, that I'm not leaving one thing and trying to figure out what's next. Um, but it was very much a, you know, um, it seemed as if the, like, and there's a lot of pain involved in that because I'm admitting that I need, it's time to set one, one thing down that I love. Like I love what I was doing at downline, love the people that I was working with at downline, love the mission at downline. And so there's like, there's a part of me that was probably holding on to that longer yeah. than I needed to. Um, because I was so the thought of setting it down seemed so like it had become such a part of every, everything I did and thought about, um, to well, the pain of you, you were kind of on the fence of like timing and that tension of, yeah, this is what I'm going to do, but there's this, 
you mentioned pain or like fear or just like, you know, uh, this hold back of like, all right, is this the right time questioning everything? Yeah. You know, like, is there a moment where you just really felt like this is the time? Well, um, another, uh, sometimes you have those, sometimes you're able to make those decisions and sometimes you're, you don't have that uh, power. So yeah, Corona really expedited it. Um, the original plan was for me to, to work through the end of 2020 and help with the transition. But when all of this hit, it, it raised a lot of question marks for, you know, my goal was to leave, um, you know, my, my goal was to leave that organization and entity um, to help them land that plane safely. Yep. And then for me to take off, you know, uh, to use another, another metaphor, but so it really, with the, with the cooperation and having the relationship that I had with the board and with the leadership there to be able to openly and honestly talk about what's best for downline and what's best for me, and then making the decision to move that timeline back. So that kind of expedited it. And initially I was like, Oh no, I'm not quite ready for that. But now I'm like, okay, this was, this was okay. This is for the best. And it was, um, I, I think, you know, providential. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, I know I was excited about it because of, you know, what I mentioned earlier with you transitioning to something new, what were kind of some of the considerations? I know you were kind of propelled quickly, more quickly in making the decision because of, um, outlying circumstances, but were there any, um, specific considerations that you or even you and your family kind of took into took into play with, um, or even risks, you know, into, you know, what risk assessment of, of switching everything kind of what's, what was your mindset like in deciding or do you yeah, think it smooth? Yeah, I would, I would say I was all over the map. You know, I wish I could say that it was, you know, step one, step two, step three, you know, I, I definitely it was a wrestling match. It was a struggle. Um, and getting good feedback from people I trusted that have known me. Here's the good thing about maintaining the connections that I was taught. We were talking about earlier is that you have relationships that are based off of truth, not based off perception. Mm -hmm. So now I have people in my life that know me that will say to me, dude, you're way off. That's not you. That doesn't fit. Or they would say, man, I see this opening up. I, I, I like, they, they, they can, because they, because I've allowed them to know more of me um, and taken the risk of doing that. So, so I had a lot of support and a lot of um, feedback and a lot of encouragement that um, kind of helped affirm me along the way um, and lend me courage when I didn't have it. And I'm still, I still go through my, like, I love where I am at the moment. And then obviously the financial fear, like I'm leaving a uh, I, you know, I went from straight commission sales to a salary position in a nonprofit entity. And now I'm in basically a social entrepreneur um, moving into that field and space and a coach um, where I'm trading, you know, it, it's basically eat what you kill kind of kind of mindset. Um, so that's <laughs> an interesting uh, analogy for a, uh, a counseling service. Yeah, that's probably not fitting. Um, that was, that was, that was old vernacular from my, uh, you know, from my sales, my cutthroat sales days, but, right. but basically I'm back in that, you know, variable, um, which is exciting because yeah. it feels like I have more control over it. And it's also scary because there's a lot I don't have control over. And so, um, kind of checking in with those things daily. Is, where's, your, attention. where's your attention or kind of horizons at? Are you looking at like, you doing public speaking? Are you mostly spending time with counselors? Are you coaching in one-on-one? Like what's kind of the, 
um, you know, the focus with your transition? Yeah. So um, first is getting uh, Cardia as a business um, positioned for growth. And you so can a lot shout out what Cardia is for people who don't know too. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll link it down below. Perfect. Um, thank you. So Cardia Collective is a community of counselors, coaches, and consultants that are dedicated to helping people and organizations live with hope, courage, and freedom. Um, how we do that is we have a team of uh, licensed professional counselors that work with individuals, couples, groups, and anything ranging from addiction, depression, anxiety, yeah, I mean, all sorts of emotional, mental health afflictions and conditions. So highly trained, really skilled group of, of people that I, I basically feel like I've become a champion for them because I've been a beneficiary of the work that they do. Um, coaching is a, is a division of cardia of the collective. And the word cardia is the Greek word for heart, which is the core of one's being, our volitional will, our locus of control, far more than the, bio, you know, the biological organ that pumps blood through our, through our veins. So, so the whole idea is that we want people to be wholehearted in whatever they do. So coaching is helping give some direction toward people's commitments um, into their futures. So basically, um, I, I look at therapy, which the word therapy means healing, uh, multiple applications for it. Um, therapy is he helping heal from wounds and pains and losses uh, that may have been neglected or ignored in the past. And coaching is now taking the vision, a clear, wholehearted vision for the future and helping people pursue that imperfectly, but wholeheartedly. Um, which there's a difference. And then consulting is when the individual, when a, when a whole individual um, works with leadership in an organization, now there's potential for cultural and communal transformation. And so we want to work with organizations to integrate and to help individuals be healthy and whole so they can lead healthy and whole organizations. So, so we're wanting to grow our, um, you know, our presence um, virtually and in multiple locations and potentially open other locations in the Mid-South for offering effective coaching and counseling and uh, consulting. Um, I'm also in the process of developing, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, this is in its infant stages, but um, one of my mentors um, has been an executive coach and consultant, uh, Ken Edmondson, uh, for for a number of years and he actually has walked with me. You may have even heard me mention him in the past, Zach, but he's walked with me through all of my transitions um, from MCC to downline and downline to Cardia um, and pretty much everything in between. So we're working on a leadership development program um, that is going to integrate basically effective uh, techniques and proven tools along with emotional intelligence and relational integrity. And so how do we bring these things together to, have a, a, a pipeline to develop that type of a leader. Um, so we're hoping to launch that in the fall, which I'm, and then creating, and basically what it want, we want it to become is a, a self-contained, uh, or not self-contained, but a self-sustaining ecosystem of leadership and a community of leadership. Um, so we're pumped about that. Oh, I lost your volume. I lost your audio. I think you're muted. I'm sorry. I muted myself. I've got, I'm right by a super busy street. So I tried to uh, minimize the, uh, the hum and the, the trucks coming by. No worries. Um, that's a, that's a group or a one-on-one -on -one program that you just mentioned that you guys are launching or is it, it would be a cohort. Um, so there would be a one-on-one -on -one component to it, but you would go through it with probably no more than 15 people at a time um, in person and virtually. So um, we're, 
and maybe even stagger, you know, three different classes over the course of a year. Yeah. Uh, have a phase one component, which is going to be more um, educational and then a phase two, which will be more experience, experiential. Yeah. Um, so for those that want to keep going, what would your advice be? There's a lot of people now who are considering a transition uh, career wise, been forced out of a transition career wise, um, wanting a, a career switch. Um, don't know how to do it. Don't know when the right timing is. What is kind of your advice for, you know, people college age, people your age, people my age, mm -hmm. uh, maybe those things are different, but you know, kind of what's your, your advice to, to somebody, you know, with a career switch? Yeah. Well, that's a huge question for a broad audience. I know everybody's in different circumstances or situations. So very practically, like, so first is it's okay to stay responsible, meaning like, you know, you have to be able to fund your existence and provide. And so, so doing the responsible thing as your occupation for a season and developing yourself in the midst of that is, is a noble, wonderful thing. And at the same time, if there's this kind of discontent in you that says, man, I'm hungry for more, um, I, my encouragement is to continue to lean into that, to talk about, to write about, to explore, and to be very curious about that. Um, everything everything that you're interested in may or may not become your occupation, meaning you may not get to do that and exchange your time and energy and talent for money um, or all the money you need. And every part of you that you're interested in deserves a, a space to breathe and to be developed. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think one of the things in our culture that is problematic is we try to put all of our eggs in the occupation basket, all of our eggs for fulfillment. Like, yeah. I need this occupation to fulfill everything, just like you're doing now. Like this podcast that you're doing is not um, how you're funding your existence. It could become that, but but it's something in you that you can't not do. Yeah. Like you did it, you set it aside, and you're like, I got to do this again. And so letting giving yourself space, um, and that's happened, you know, so many times for me. Um, so I just I think I I think I would argue that probably the biggest inhibitor, the biggest boundary, the biggest roadblock, the biggest obstacle that keeps any of us from becoming quote unquote, who we were made to be is people pleasing or codependence. Comparison. So, well, my need for you to be okay with me and to approve who I am and what I do, um, is a huge inhibitor because I become who I think other people need me to be instead of growing into the tree, the type of, it's like an oak tree trying to be a cherry tree. It's like, yeah. you're an oak tree, man, go be an oak tree. Yeah. Um, that is not a, and, and I don't mean that as an anarchist type, like be who you want to be. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Like, no, you, you just have to be who you are. Like it's not in a, it's not in a rebellious, like no one can tell me what to do. It's like just paying attention to what you pay attention to. Yeah. Is a way I've heard my say it. Yeah, so, it almost has the same connotations of self-care, you know, like, um, isn't it being considered selfish to take care of yourself, looking after number one, you know, and I think there's this, <clears throat> at least in my perspective and experience, there's always been this, um, you know, looking after number one is more about you 
uh, gaining advantage over other people or taking advantage of other people, looking out for yourself, not really like being part of the community. Or if you are, it's in a, it's in a skeptical type way, but versus like taking care of yourself is really like getting to know how you respond emotionally to things, what you're feeling, um, you know, and, and being able to being self-aware and then also like the, the physical aspect, the mental aspect, just being in a good place so you can kind of be the best version or person that you can be where you are. Um, you know, those are, those are all kind of lifelong pursuits, but kind of seems yeah. like those have some similarities. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think being, um, being connection goes both ways. It's a connection outside with others, but also a connection. It's connection versus being enmeshed where I, where I don't know where you start and I stop. Like, I can be connected to you, but I don't have to become you or like you or conform to you for you to love and care about me or for me to matter to you. And so I think people, I think a lot of, a lot of the work we do is helping people unravel some of those unhealthy attachments Yeah. so that they can then with, with clear eyes and clear hearts pursue what they really care about. And what we would say is uncover their anger. Um, anger being the, the vision in you that has a vision for a future that you can't stop thinking about or can't stop pursuing and, and even being willing to sacrifice for or to take risk for. Yeah. Um, you have, uh, I think I keep going into college. Is that right? What are you doing to me right now? <laughs> I'm setting you up. <laughs> uh, you trying to make me cry, Zach? You make people cry yeah, on your show? Kind of the last one with, with broad strokes is, you know, advice for college students uh, or kids going into college or having the choice of do I go to college or not, um, kind of advice career-wise in, in making those decisions um, and kind of stemming along like what you talked about with comparison. It's like, you know, I've, I've heard – and I don't know who all listen listens to this or is going to listen to it or whatever, but comparison's big in high school. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of what you were talking about and, and finding your your lane, your strengths, knowing yourself um, can be daunting when you're comparing or being compared to other people all the time, particularly with social media. But I don't think that game really stops into later in life. You know, I mean, I I personally still deal with comparison to people I admire, people I want to be with, and yeah. And then also kind of knowing myself and it's like, I don't need to, I can still care about the person, but not compare myself to that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, yeah. Um, given that, given maybe some of the struggles of a 18, 19 year old going into next phase of life for 21, 20, 21, 22 year old stepping out into this uncertain world of occupation. Um, I know you lived, you know, through 2008, probably, I think you're at MCC then. You know, what's kind of some advice you would give to somebody career-wise or next phase of life-wise at that age? Yeah. Um, or what's the advice you give your daughter if you want to? That's basically what I would say. Uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm actually doing their high school uh, commencement speech. Um, yeah, so I'm in the middle of trying to trying to write that. So okay. it's really daunting. Um, and it, it is easier for me to respond with what I am telling my daughters specifically right now, because I have an 18 year old and a 16 year old, one's going off to college, UT Chattanooga next in the fall, Lord willing. And then the second one is going to be a senior. So we're having those, and they're two very different people. Um, and, and what I would say for um, high school 
seniors and beyond and high school seniors and college students. Um, I would, I don't know how to best articulate it other than to um, lean into the, the things that I was just describing, the things you pay attention to, the things you care about, um, lean into those things as early and as often as you possibly can. Um, I would not be as concerned or consumed at the moment with whether or not those things will become a career. Um, because you read bio after bio, biography after biography of successful people. Um, and you have, there's case studies and examples of this all over, um, of people that, um, are, they, on both sides of the aisle, people that have studied and spent a lot of money and uh, done a lot of work and education and things that they eventually abandoned because they really didn't care about them. They did them because they gave them a sense of security of what I would say, a false sense of security. Um, and then the others who, and they end up in some, some other field, but like I would develop who you already are. Um, so, if, so I have one daughter, um, my oldest daughter had a very natural draw to special needs, autistic community, people on the spectrum and their families. She did not get that from me. That's not something we uh, talked about necessarily or modeled. Uh, there's a cute story, a sweet story about how some of that developed. But so she started volunteering at camps um, with special needs camps and doing work and doing her own study. And we, we would just kind of and that's not a field I know anything about, but we would try to expose her to things there. So so part of what she wants to get development in is better equipped in social work and counseling and psychology to be better prepared to meet that need because that's a need um, and she's got a passion for it. My second daughter um, is she's got an Instagram account, abs eats clean, abs.eats.clean. Yeah. Um, she, she's a foodographer. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Like, I don't know where she gets it. She does her own. So she really wants to do food and fitness and holistic care. And so we're doing a lot of research right now to try to find a program, whether that's a four-year program or not, that helps fuel what's already there. Um, so I would, I would just say commit early, like, and let yourself, let yourself commit to what's already in you and let that develop, um, and find ways to fuel that fire, um, programs, universities, certifications. Um, so don't, I guess don't not obsessing over whether I'm going to a four year university to get a degree, but what do I need to keep growing in this thing that I love and I'm interested in? Yeah, there's so much pressure. I mean, even I'm, I'll be 31 in July. Um, so you're much, old, dude. What, what I'm getting old? Is that what you said? <laughs> you're not, bro. I got I got three more of my lifetimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hopefully, um, there's so much pressure, man, to figure out your life at right. 18, 19, 20, even 30. You know, it's like my next decision is going to impact. You know, and it it's it's almost like a lie you're telling yourself in my opinion that it, it maybe set you on a trajectory, but it's like, you don't have to decide what you're going to do for your entire life today, tomorrow, going to college, getting a degree. Right. There's so many people with uh, a, a degree in something, even medical students that I know who are like, oh, man, I'm, I'm a year away from graduating medical school, but I hate it. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. You know, it's something I did because my parents influenced me or I, I thought it would provide me security down the road financially. But like I'm really passionate about something else um, that I don't know what that is or. And, and the question is, do I give that up? Do I change something else? And it's like I think the the 
the fear or the the uneasiness is is there's a social uh, pressure to figure out your life right, right. after school, right after college, um, thinking that that's what you're going to be doing forever when you're 20. You, you know, and, and if you live to 80, that's 60 more years of of life that probably not going to do the same thing. At least in my experience, I've done quite a bit of different things. Some people right. are on, you know, that same path, but. I think that's really good advice, you know, is leaning into kind of what you're passionate about already. Um, you know, being a photographer and somebody into Sam into health, I'm definitely into fitness. Uh, a lot of times I just, I go for a run so I can eat pizza and drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate good quality food. Um, your, your daughter, Abzi's clean. has got a pretty awesome page. Um, I'd be curious to know kind of like, what are those things out there for somebody in the creative world? who's creative in nature, who has a passion for health and a passion for clean, clean, good eating, you know, what are the options career wise that, you know, she takes, um, that'd be really cool to see, um, yeah. or share with people, um, who are trying to figure that out. Cause I think the degree definitely gives you a sense of validity from a four year college. Yes. I also, I also don't think it's necessary to be successful. Um, right. You know, maybe yeah, sometimes you have to have the certification. Sometimes you legally like she's got to, if she's going to be giving food advice and diet dietary advice, she's going to have to have some sort something. Of right. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm not one that says at all that it's um, I do think there are a lot of problems with our education, higher educational system and the cost of it and the return on that. And there's just so many aspects of it that are broken. And um, there's a lot of really powerful tools and resources and experiences that wait folks are waiting for folks that, you know, that they can get and gain, um, if, if they're able to, um, uh, steward them well, you know, and get access to them and know why they're doing it versus just going through the motions. That's the, that's the painful part. A lot of people, you know, just going through the motions and that's what I kind of what I did. Like college was what was next and that's what you had to do. And we all, we all want to matter and belong. Right. So we all want to know that we matter. We all know that we belong. And so having a degree is one of those um, check marks often that makes us feel like we've done something and that we matter and belong, but it's not the ultimate thing. It hopefully serves a more ultimate thing. If you were to redo college again, what would you do? Or do you not even think about Pay it? Pay attention. <laughs> like, I would actually, I would, uh, like, uh, you know, somebody, yeah. I don't know who said it. I don't know who said it. If you were, and I had to, you know, uh, hypothesize here, but, you know, um, in today's age, if you're 20 living in this world, what would you do? Uh, in today's world, um, I would still probably study business. Um, I would, um, I would definitely, I probably, I would potentially do more um, psychology. Yeah. Um, in the, in the realm of psychology and some more in entrepreneurship, you know, I think some of those things were available somewhat. I mean, that looks different today than it did then, sure. but I would love, I would love more, um, you know, and, and I really, I really would need some finance and accounting, you know, potentially some, uh, some, not a, not a mastery level by any stretch, but you know, probably a little better foundation to work with. So those would be things that I'd be willing to, I'd also do a lot in history. Yeah, like I would really love, you know, I would really love to. I've gotten more interested in that um, as yeah. well. So, yeah, those are all subjects that you know the finance thing for me. That would that would have been a good, and still can be right. I mean, there's so right. many 
educational tools out there right. to get smart about finance, you know, um, at least, at least now. Are you, uh, I'd learn another language. I would learn Spanish. I really, I really want to do that. That's, that's kind of on my yeah long term bucket list. For sure. No, that's, that's, um, it's probably hard in, in Memphis or doing it online. I've tried. It's really hard to learn another language. Those people who have like, you know, two, three, there's a lot of folks here in DC that, oh. have, um, that ability because they, you know, they've been raised near, um, or in a school, international school, and they have friends that speak multiple languages, but you know, the right. five, seven language kids and adults are just like intense. So, right. um, how are you on time? You have like a couple minutes or you need to go? No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Cool. I was going to lighthearted question. Are you, for your daughter's convention, are you going to like pull any Thor out of there? <laughs> no, you know, I gave that costume back. I did think about, I did think about, um, coming in there with like a face mask and a full body suit and gloves and stuff. But yeah. I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten too creative beyond that person. Yeah. So they're going to do it a uh, very socially distant um, at a huge auditorium okay. with, you know, it's only a class of like 80 students. And so yeah. you're limited in how many people can come. They're not going to be passing out diplomas or anything, but it'll be, yeah. I, uh, hopefully it'll be in person unless something changes between now and then. Yeah. I think there's a, a massive opportunity for, for kids going into their next phase of life um, now, even though it's, I remember in college, 2008, I was a freshman going into sophomore year, didn't even understand, you know, what was happening with the stock market and jobs and things like that. But the way that the economy shifted, there's so much good that came out of it, you know, with, there's so many businesses now that have grown or started because people lost their jobs and, and put, put their passions into something else. Um, I mean, I think there's a, a huge opportunity to, to not be pessimistic about it and really, you know, kind of take off from there. But um, do you have any uh, fly fishing trips or anything like that coming up? I've got a couple, you know, uh, I'm really major. I'm, I'm going to go to do what? I said, I'm really curious. Yeah, I don't have any big trips planned, but I am going to the Little Red um, on the 9th for a trip there. Um, and then, um, so, you know, uh, we haven't mentioned this yet when we don't have to, but like my, the, uh, the drift, you know, the fly fishing, the yeah, apparel company going drift Flyco. It's good. It's slow, but, um, we're gonna, we, we're getting ready to do a father's day product launch, um, coming up. And so people who don't know, and even myself, like I'm not fully aware of everything you guys do. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, here a little product placement, this is, sure. uh, drift Flyco. Their Instagram is, is sick. If you like <laughs> pictures and, and uh, fly fishing, it's definitely good. So, so you, it's, you guys do guiding or is it all products? Right now, it's a it's a lifestyle brand. Um, and we partner with a nonprofit called Point out of Honduras. And so um, we're about to, have, we haven't publicly launched that yet, but um, basically for every product um, purchased, uh, we'll feed a kid in Honduras for a week. Um, so it's an, it's an organization we were, um, we all, uh, one of our partners is really close with. So it all started though, just as a relationship with uh, a few of us that fish together. And one of our buddies, John Reed Curlin is an artist. Uh, he sells bonds by day, uh, but he's really a Renaissance man. Um, he's an artist. So he came up with this brand for our fishing team, you know, our unofficial informal fishing team and started an Instagram account. He's a photographer. 
so basically we just said, man, we should let's let's incorporate this thing and see if we can grow it. And so we came up with some t-shirts and hats and basically just kind of growing from the ground up with a bunch of friends and people that, you know, that are supportive and, and tolerant and encouraging. So we're, we're, um, we added another partner who's got his own, um, marketing and design firm. Um, he's a buddy I grew up with that we used to fish in, you know, local ponds, um, in town. And so he's, he's a big fly fisherman also. So yeah, we're, uh, we're excited to see where that goes. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't realize when I moved to the South or to the West Tennessee area that there was actually like incredible world-class waters just a couple hours away. And, you know, we don't have to give away locations, but uh, (laughs) uh, they're pretty well populated already, but they are, they are in Arkansas is actually pretty incredible. Um, I definitely miss getting out and fly fishing um, in general, but especially with you guys. Um, we're gonna get you to come do a photo. We're gonna get to do it. We're gonna do a photo shoot with you soon, dude. It'd be it, it's a dream. My dream is to um, shoot not necessarily for Patagonia, but Patagonia apparel or outdoor gear in Patagonia fly fishing. Um, so you know, if I could, if I could shoot uh, somebody fly fishing in Patagonia, I, I think I'd just be that'd be over the moon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it'd be yeah, absolutely incredible. It better be me. For sure. Well, I, man, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time and really sharing your heart and your advice and um, seeing what you're up to. It's really exciting to see. I don't know if you uh, do you have anything last last comments or um, ways people can connect if they you know really um, have questions for you about what you're doing or how to connect with uh, um, Cardia. Yeah, um, CardiaCollective.com is our website. And um, Shadberry at CardiaCollective.com um, would love to connect if anybody has any questions or wants to learn more if anything uh, resonated with them while they're listening. But um, no, I'm really gl- grateful for the. I really love just talking to you. So yeah. Um, so I'm really glad to get the chance to reconnect and and catch up and share some of what's going on. Yeah, it's always always a good time chatting with you. And I was I was really pumped when you came to DC. We got to hang out. That was fun explore even though it rained um, no, we made the most of it dude <laughs> yeah it was, it was a great night um it's a it's a really cool city for sure there's a lot of miss about memphis a lot of friends there that you know i'm still thankful to be be connected with um but the road of life you know it just takes you uh it takes some places you don't ever expect sometimes so yeah uh, yeah it's uh it's it's fun to be here so well i appreciate it chad thanks for tuning in to another episode of the show uh, if you want to connect with me on social media, you can on Instagram, at Pearson. All the links are below. Um, or leave a comment. Uh, I'd love to know what you think. If you have any questions, thoughts, um, or future guests that you'd like to see on the podcast, that would be fantastic. I'd love to hear from you and how you're doing during uh, these crazy times. Uh, until next time, I will uh, catch you later. <laughs>